Okay? I have this battle that goes on every Sunday. Every Sunday morning, I go, I go, God, you know, I'm just, I'm just too, like, I'm just too loud, you know, God, I just, Lord, I, I, I scream a lot when I preach, I get all excited, you know, and listen, I've been doing this for 30 years, since I was 19 years old, you know, I do the math, it doesn't figure, you know, but it's, it's close, <laughs> and, uh, and the first time I ever preached, man, I preached for an hour straight, 19 years old, somebody came over to me and said, that was the best three sermons I ever heard in my life. And, uh, and man, I was just jumping all over the place, shouting and screaming. And I just want to be honest with you. I love to preach, and I love Jesus with all my heart. And man, this is an incredible day because it's Easter. And so I, I got up this morning. I said, you know, Lord, I, I, need to be, I need to be calm. You know, I got a lot of services to preach. And then I thought about it. I said, no, nah, it just ain't going to happen. It just, just ain't going to happen. Because, you know, I get excited every, every, every Sunday when I preach. And it's Easter Sunday, so I'm really going to get excited on Easter Sunday because, man, it's a wonderful day to preach about the resurrection of Jesus. So I brought my dancing shoes on today. I, I brought my running shoes on today just in case I get really excited when I'm preaching and I need to change so that I can run around a little bit more. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready to hear the Word of God. John chapter 11. Turn to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. Verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick, and he was from Beth Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two days. Everybody say, he stayed where he was for two days. Now this story is a really great story because I believe the resurrection of Lazarus is a prototype of resurrection. In fact, we know if we do any studying of the scriptures that it's pretty much right before the passion of Christ. The reason why the Jews wanted to kill Jesus was because he raised Lazarus from the dead. This dude is big trouble. And listen, if we keep on letting him raise dead people from the dead, then we're going to lose our business and everybody's going to go over to him and they're going to destroy the temple. Romans are going to come in and they're going to take over. So we need to do something about this. We need to put Jesus to death. But you see, the story of Lazarus is actually a prototype of resurrection hope, of resurrection power, of resurrection life and resurrection joy. Actually, the resurrection of Lazarus was the beginning of something that God wanted to speak to the world, that even before his son died on the cross, Jesus said, even as you're watching me die on the cross, I want you to know that I am the resurrection and I am the life, and he that believeth in me, though he should die, yet he should live. Am I in the right church this morning? I, I, think, I, came, I think I came to Bethlehem Assembly of God. But I must have made a wrong turn because I don't hear anything from you today. You see, 
because of what Jesus did, the devil wanted to destroy Jesus on the cross, but Jesus always has the final word. John chapter 11 says, a man named Lazarus was sick. Who is this man, Lazarus? He was a really good friend of Jesus. Listen to me. If there's one thing that I want to be known for when I die is I want to be known for being a friend of God. In fact, I told my wife, put on my tombstone, he was Jesus' friend. You know, Enoch was a friend of Jesus, and the Bible says the Lord took him. You know, in the scriptures we find that even though Jesus loved everybody, he was friends with a few. In fact, he had three really, really, really close disciples, Peter, James, and John. And one time, he just wanted to bust out of himself. You know, can you imagine God coming down in the flesh and living in a human body? And the Bible says he had to go up to the mountain one day, and he had to disrobe from his body, and he had to be transfigured. And Peter, his good friend, said, man, this is good. Let's stay on the mountain. And there was, a, there was something about Jesus taking just a few of his buddies away in the garden on the mountain. And the Bible says that Lazarus was a good friend of Jesus. And as a result of that, now Lazarus is, is lying in, in, in bed and, he, and he's dying. He's about to die. And Mary and Martha, they send word to Jesus. He's in another city. And they say, Jesus... The, the friend that you love is, is dying, and, and we need you to come right now. It was the same Mary who poured the precious perfume all over Jesus' body because Jesus did a great miracle in her life. It was the same Martha who prepared a meal for Jesus because Jesus often went to Lazarus and Mary and Martha's house. Remember, Martha was going crazy. She's telling, she's telling Jesus, Jesus, tell my sister to get up and start helping me because, man, I really want to serve you a really nice big bowl of pasta. Yeah. We're working in every service. And, 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 and the Bible tells us that now Mary and Martha, they're calling Jesus and they're appealing to the fact that, Jesus, this is your best buddy. This is a really close friend. You know, Lazarus was a part of Jesus' one group, you know. Jesus used to go barbecuing at their house and Jesus was intimately acquainted with Lazarus. He was a really close friend. And now they appeal to his sense of love for his friend. And they say, look, we know that if you come when we need you, you're going to perform a miracle. We know that you're going to perform a miracle because we've seen you do it before. We saw you raise a young boy to life again. We saw you open the eyes of the blind. We saw you open the ears of the deaf. We saw you make the lame walk. We saw you do great miracles. And, and if you just come, Jesus... My brother will rise up again. If you come on time, if you get here before he dies, it, it'll be all right. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever prayed that kind of prayer? It's almost like you've had the certainty that if Jesus shows up, everything's going to be all right. I mean, maybe it's after you heard a great sermon about faith or whatever it is, but, but there was something in you that was filled with faith. You had a certainty. You were sure. You had that feeling. You had that sense. You knew that if God showed up, everything was going to be all right. And you knew he was going to. But instead, you stayed by the bedside of your loved one. Maybe you prayed all night waiting for God to show up. Maybe you quoted every scripture that you knew. But it seemed like Jesus never showed up 
in your pain. He never showed up to do that big miracle in your life. The clock ran out on your miracle. And Martha and Mary said, Lord, we waited for you. In fact, now the Bible says that that Jesus actually waits. He doesn't show up. Now let's put that into perspective. It's it's, kind of like if I was on vacation somewhere and I got a phone call from one of my dear relatives and said, listen, Stephen, you need to to come right away because they're going to die and you need to be there. You need to be there. You need to pray. You need to do something. You just need to show up. And I call and say, listen, my vacation's really good right now. Uh, I'll just kind of wait a couple of weeks before I get back. Man, you know what? You'd be doing a funeral for me. You know what I'm talking about. I mean, this is huge. Jesus, this is your, your good buddy. This is, this is your friend. And we need you to come right now. Have you ever prayed those kind of prayers? I need you right now. You see, American Christians are kind of the worst for this because we really believe, because we've been sold a bad bill of goods, that, that actually when we come to Christ, we're doing Christ a favor. And now that Christ is a big genie for us, and so when we need it, we want it now, Jesus. Lord, I want a job now. Lord, I want a miracle now. Lord, I want finances now. Lord, I want my healing now. Why? Because we're in the now generation. We want everything now. But God had a different a different option. But you see, they didn't want a different option. They, they wanted option number one. Because deep down inside, we all know that what is best for our life is the things that we know because we play God so often in our life. God, I, won't, I don't want option number two. I want option number one. I want my husband to live. I want my daughter to live. I want to be healed. I want my job to be secure. I want my marriage to be restored right now. I want my miracle now. Why? Because I don't want any other option. I want my option because I know what's best for me. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, you're still the funniest looking person I've ever seen in my life. And you don't know what's best for you. God does. Come on, turn to your neighbor right now. But, but, but look at what Jesus actually does. It's found in, in verse 4. When he heard this, when Jesus got the news, he's in, another, he's in another village. He says, guys, this sickness is not going to end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now, now notice Verse 5, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed. That's it. John interprets what Jesus does as love. He doesn't interpret it as Jesus is too busy, that Jesus really doesn't want to come through. But he actually interprets it as the greatest kind of love. That, that Jesus probably wanted to get on a horse and ride into town, into Bethany, and heal him before he died. I think in his humanness, Jesus really wanted to be by his friend's side. But it was his love that caused him to stay and wait until Lazarus died. It was his wisdom, it was his infinite love that held him back from actually answering their prayer when they wanted the prayer to be answered. And the truth of the matter is, is that God is such a great God, He's such a wise God, that sometimes 
He doesn't answer our prayer when we pray it. Notice what he says. He says, when he heard this, this will not end in defeat. This story is going to end in victory. It's going to end in triumph. But, but, but I'm going to do it completely in a different way than anyone expected. I've got a different plan. I've got a different strategy. And my plan includes suffering. (laughs) And my plan includes death. Death to your plans. Death to the way you want it to happen. My plans include death to your own ideas. This sickness, this pain, this suffering is going to culminate, he said, in bringing glory to God. Now here's the key verse. When he heard they were sick, he stayed there two more days. He stayed still. Wow. Jesus, I was drowning. I was losing my grip on life. I was desperate. I I was breathing my last breath. I was about to go under. And all you did is stand by and do nothing about my cries for help. You saw me struggle through my pain. You saw me wrestle through the darkest hours of my life. You saw me even take my last breath in defeat. And Lord, you just stood by. Wow. From my perspective, Jesus, your silence is deafening. From my perspective, Jesus, your inactivity is incredibly discouraging. Your lack of response was disastrous from my perspective, Jesus. Have you you ever asked why, why, Jesus? I don't know about you, but I have. There have been things in my life that had happened. And and I've, I've, I've asked Jesus two questions. Why and if only. Have you ever asked the question, if only? So so now Jesus waits for Lazarus to be good and dead. And then he tells his disciples, okay, now we're going to go to Bethany. And while he's going to Bethany, his disciples say, hey, what's up with this Lazarus guy? And and Jesus said, well, we're going to wake him up. And one of his disciples, you know, the disciples, probably Peter, you know, Hey, if he's sleeping, then he's going to arise, going to wake up. And I love what Jesus said. No, 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 no. Peter, guys, he's dead. I mean, he's really dead. It's been four days. He's really dead. He said, but we're going to go there for the glory of God. He said, and in fact, it's really good that I wasn't there for your sake because I'm going to do this so that I can build up your faith so that you can see an incredible miracle happen right before your eyes. So now Jesus arrives in Bethany. And the Bible says when he gets there, Martha runs out and she says to Jesus, Jesus, if only you would have been here several days before, Lazarus would have never died. If only. Have you ever asked Jesus the if only question in your life? If only, Jesus, you would have done it this way. If only you would have saved my marriage this way. If only you would have been there when I prayed this prayer. If only you would have helped me get through this job situation. If only. And Jesus, why do you allow certain things to happen the way they happen? But notice the Bible says in Verse chapter 9, meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came not only because 
of him, but also to see Lazarus, who he had raised from the dead. That's, that's John chapter 12. So we understand that God has a plan. So now Jesus comes, and, and Martha's asking the what-if questions. But here's what I've learned about this whole story. It's a prototype of resurrection, trust, and faith, and power. The first thing that I've learned here is this. God always has a perfect timing, an appointed timing for your life. Hallelujah. Come on, say with me today. God has an appointed time for everything in my life. That's the way that God works. He doesn't work on my timetable. He doesn't work on your timetable. He works on his timetable. He has an appointed time in all of our lives. But the truth of the matter is, is if we're going to experience resurrection power in our life, if we're going to experience resurrection hope in our life, if we're going to experience the power of Christ living inside of us, then we're all going to have to face those dark times in our life. I call them the crosses that we all have to bear in our life. And you know what? All of us have a cross to bear in our life. Now, not the same cross that Jesus bore because he's the only one who could die on the cross so that we could have eternal life. But notice what Paul the Apostle says in Philippians. He says, I want to know Christ and I want to know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Why in the world would Paul want to feel the fellowship of Christ's suffering? Because Paul understood that every day of his life he had to die to himself. That the only way that Christ is actually going to work in our life is when we get out of the way. The only way that Christ is actually going to do miracles in our life is when we trust him enough to believe that he knows what he's doing in his time, in his way. When we stop playing God and we get to the point where we know he's God and he can do the impossible. You see, listen, here's the deal. The truth of the matter is God has to get us to the point in our life that we're so desperate for him that we love him so much, not just once a year, but every day of our life that we're humbled. Why? Because God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. As Paul the Apostle declares in 1 Corinthians, listen to me, here's what Paul the Apostle said. He said, from, for, to keep me from becoming conceited, to keep me from becoming so lifted up with myself, believing that I can do anything without God or something without God or some things without God, uh, God allowed me to have a thorn in my flesh. And I prayed out to the Lord three times, Lord, take this thorn away from me. And the Lord said, no, I'm going to allow you to carry your cross in your life. And listen, every one of us have a different cross in our life. Why? Because Paul the Apostle said, I know that when I am humbled through carrying this cross in my life, whatever it is, I know the grace of God is on my life. Why? Because I'm totally dependent on God. You see, some of you, your cross is the boss that you work for. Now, I hope it's not anybody that works at Bethlehem. And the truth is, man, every day you go to work and you have to depend on the grace of God in your life. Why? Because God is humbling you. Some of you, your cross today is perhaps a sickness in your life. Maybe your cross today is a family member. Don't turn right now and look at one of your family members. Maybe your cross today is that you're still single. You've been praying and praying and praying to God, believing for that right person, that right, that right man or woman in your life. 
and the Lord has seen so that you have not married yet and you feel like, wow, when are you going to answer that prayer in my life, Lord God? But you know that God is a good God and he only gives you right things because God has an appointed time for everything in your life. God has an appointed time for everything in your life, every person, every situation. God has a, a determined appointed time in your life. And so you know that, and now as a single, you have embraced the plan of God in your life, and you rejoice even though you're single. And the truth is there's great grace in your life, and that's a great thing. Now, maybe some of you in this room that are single, you think that, hey, listen, all I need to do is get married, and I'll get rid of my cross. But see, the truth is there's some married people in this room that their husband is their cross. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Hello. Or their wife is their cross. Now, I'm not suggesting that you pray to get rid of that cross. You know what I'm talking about. And don't look at your husband right now. Hallelujah. And you know that you need grace every day of your life because, man, he looks good on Sunday morning. He's got his Easter clothes on Sunday morning. But, man, he's got some grave clothes that he's wearing during the week, man. And, man, he ain't so nice when he's at home. And you need the grace of God on your life or vice versa. Or maybe maybe your cross is sleeping down the hall. It's one of your babies. It's one of your kids that you've been praying for. And you've been believing God that God's going to touch them. Let me tell you right now, I'm telling you right now, there's an appointed time for everything and young person you think that you came here by accident but I'm here to tell you that you're not here by accident God wants to touch your life today there's an appointed time for everything in our life Lord of God but before you can experience the resurrection in your life You've got to experience death to self. You see, God has an appointed time for everything. Why? Because he knows that at the right time, it's going to bring most powerful glory to God. So he's going to maximize the potential of the miracle that he's going to do in your life. I said he's going to maximize the potential miracle in your life. And how does he do that? He first makes it impossible. Impossible. So that he can glorify God. See, here's what's happening. So Lazarus, he dies. The Jewish people, when somebody died, they waited three days. Why? Because sometimes when somebody seemed to be dead, they were just actually in a coma. And so they would come out. So they, they, they'd pray, you know, one day, two days. After the third day, no hope. Dead. The Bible says that Jesus wanted to make sure that he was good and that he waited four days. I mean, he wanted to make sure this is a miracle. And nobody can say he just got up by himself, but that he was dead. I mean, so dead that he stunk. And so the Bible says he waited until he was good and dead. But you see, God always has an appointed time because he wants to maximize your miracle. So the Bible says now that Jesus comes and Actually, the tomb where Lazarus is laid is packed with people. Why? Because evidently, Martha and Mary and Lazarus, they were prominent people in the town. And the Bible says there were people, there were religious people from all over Jerusalem that came to the tomb. Maximum time. Hallelujah. See, Jesus knew that if he prayed for Lazarus, 
before he died, it wouldn't be maximum time. So he waited for the right time. Listen to me. Listen to me carefully right now. You may be praying and praying and praying and praying for that miracle in your life, but God knows the right time. And the Bible says there were religious people. There were so many people. Not only were there, there were religious people there, but there, there, were, there was a big family of people. And not only that, but listen, back then when, when somebody died, they would hire mourners, professional mourners. And they'd come around the two and they'd go, ah! I don't even know this person. But, ah! And the louder they'd cry, the more money they got. Ah! get a lot of money for this one. Yeah! <laughs> the Bible said they mourned for 30 days. So there were a lot of people around maximizing your miracle. And the Bible says that when Jesus came, he said, Martha, didn't I tell you if you would believe you'd see the glory of God? See, because one... Jesus has, God has, an appointed time for every miracle in your life. Today could be that appointed miracle time for you. But number two, I love this. You see, your story is not over. See, Jesus' story was not over on the cross. The story didn't end for Jesus on the cross. And friend, your story is not going to end at your cross. Because get ready, get ready, get ready. God is about to act on your behalf. You know why I believe that with all my heart? Because, listen, maybe there's something in your life that seems to have died. Maybe it's a dream. Maybe you prayed for something and it didn't come to pass the way you wanted it to happen. See, God always has to put things to death before he can resurrect them again. I love the springtime because... You know, I have those perennials. You know what a perennial is, right? comes back every year. There's those things that they call them the annuals. Now, they're pretty. I just don't like annuals because I can't get my money's worth out of them because they last just one season. And there are certain things in your life, they're just seasonal, man. Listen to me. They're just seasonal. There's a season for everything. The truth of the matter is Solomon said there's a time for everything in our life. There's a time to tear down and there's a time... To, to build up again. There's a time to cry and there's a time to laugh. There's a time to go deeper in your faith. There's a time for God to prune away the stuff in your life. There's a time in which God wants to mature you. That's why James said, consider it pure joy when you have trials of all kinds in your life. Why? Because you're going deeper in your faith. There's a time to go deeper. There's a time to die to yourself. There's a time to learn. There's a time to grow. There's a time to die. There's a time to die. But let me tell you, and let me tell you today, Sunday, today, resurrection day, I want to tell you, there's also a time for God to resurrect new things in your life, resurrect new hope, new joy, new power, new anointing, fresh anointing from heaven, new things in your life. Why? Because Jesus specializes in raising dead things in your life. I want you to go on, I want you to go on your smartphone that's making you a little dumber every day. And I want you to go to Facebook right now, and I want you to write down, Jesus specializes in raising dead things to life again. He loves to do that. 
He loves to take the impossible and make them absolutely possible. He loves to take those things that you thought were gone and he loves to give you something even better. Jesus told Martha, listen, if you believe, you can see the glory of God. See, that's the point. The point is, God wants to use everything in your life for his glory. Everything. And when you get to that point in your life where you say, God, I want everything to glorify you, then everything that happens in your life is for a reason. And the Bible says God takes all things and works it out for our good for those who are called according to his purpose. So whatever you're going through today, know this one thing. God is going to finish the work that he began in you. The story is not done in your life. Turn to your neighbor and say, the story is not done in your life. See, it's only the beginning. And if you trust God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and you don't lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways you bring glory to God, then God is going to be glory. Listen to me. The devil loses. Why? Because God gets the glory. He gets the glory in your pain. He gets the glory in your loss. He gets the glory in your suffering. He gets the glory in your battles. He gets the glory when he takes all of that stuff in your life and he turns it into something beautiful. Just like when Jesus was hanging on the cross and the devil thought, he won hallelujah and it looked so grotesque and it looked so horrible Jesus looked horrible on the cross but Jesus was doing his work on the cross God was doing his work on the cross and he was turning something that was so ugly into a masterpiece of his grace and I want you to know today that God's going to turn your ugly into a masterpiece of his grace glory to God hallelujah why because Jesus takes stinking things and he turns it into something beautiful yeah, I love it I love it. Jesus approaches the tomb. All these people are crying. The rabbis are getting their sermons out. They're getting them ready. They're getting their homilies together. They're getting their hymns together. And Jesus shows up and tells the rabbi, Rabbi, you may have to change your funeral sermon to another kind of sermon today. You might have to change your hymnal to a hymnal of joy instead of mourning. Why? Because I've showed up on the scene and I specialize in raising dead things back to life. Hallelujah. Oh, 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 oh. I specialize in raising dead things alive. Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo! I said, Woo! <laughs> but Martha said, Martha said, Jesus, by now, Jesus, you don't want to do that, Jesus. Jesus, you don't, you don't want to open up the tomb, Jesus. I gave up on that hope. I gave up on the hope that, that Lazarus is going to rise up now. I know he's going to rise up in heaven, but I gave up on that prayer. Why? Because by now, and I love it, in the King James, oh, there's some things that you can't say any better but in the King James. You know, you have these English versions now, and they're really good, but you know what? In Psalms 91, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Oh, that's sounds so good in the King James, you know. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. So Martha turns to Jesus and said, Jesus, he's been in there for four days and he stinketh. Hmm. King James, you can't say it any better than that. He stinketh, Lord. In other words, there's, 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 no, there's no hope. There's no hope. It's done. It's finished. 
uh, that boat has sailed. Now I'm looking for another miracle. Friend, I want to tell you something. God's about to resurrect that thing that you've been praying about. Hallelujah. God's about to resurrect that thing that you've been hoping for. God's about to resurrect something in your life today. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. God is about to resurrect hope in your life today. So, so, so here's, what, here's what Jesus tells Martha. Martha, don't you know who you're looking at? I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he should die, yet he should live. Do you believe this? Listen to me. Look at me today. Easter is not about an event. You see, because if it was about an event, then we should just come to church once a year and celebrate the event like some of you do. <laughs> I'm going to leave that right where it is. I'm, 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 I'm going to leave it right there. I'm going to leave it right there. I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave that right there. But friend, I'm going to tell you something. Jesus is the reason for Easter, and Easter is the reason for Jesus. It's not an event. It's a person. Hallelujah. And Jesus said to Martha, listen to me, Martha. I'm telling you today, it's not just about an event. It's about me. I am. I am the bread of life. Hallelujah. When you're hungry, you can take a bite of me, and you'll never get hungry again. I am the light of the world, and I can, I can bring light into your darkened soul. I can lead you through the, the darkest times in your life. I am the the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. And this story, hallelujah, it's not over yet. Hallelujah. Your story is not over yet. Hallelujah. Because he's the Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end of your story. So, I want you all to stand to your feet right now. Because you're all Lazarus in this room. All of you in this room are Lazarus. Stand to your feet, everybody, would you please? In the cafe, in the overflow. If you're watching this via live stream, stand to your feet right now. So, so Jesus, he walks up to the tomb. If you're going to take a picture of me, get my better side. <laughs> Jesus walks up to the tomb. And the Bible says, John says it this way. And Jesus screamed, Lazarus, come forth. You know why he said, Lazarus, come forth? You know why he called him by name? Because he is, he is the great I am. He is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. In him and by him and through him and for him, all things were created and all things are held together. In the beginning, God created man. Jesus was right there, breathing the breath of life. He is the life. Hallelujah. And if Jesus said, come forth, all the dead people would have came forth. Hallelujah. And that would have been a problem. Why? Because some people already got married and they said, I'm married a second time. Stay in the tomb and stay dead. I'm done with you. Jesus has the power to bring life. And the Bible says that Lazarus, he came out of the tomb. And Jesus said, I love this. And Jesus told the people around him, take off his grave clothes. 
You know what that tells me? That tells me that you need the church, not just once a year, but you need the family. And if you're here for the first time, and you've come to Bethlehem Assembly of God, you've come to the right place, because we need each other. We need the family. Sometimes we need to help one another take our grave clothes off, because the truth is, even when we're Christians, we got some grave clothes on. Maybe today, you've got some grave, grave clothes on. You're a Christian. You've, you've, come, you've come out of your tomb. But you've got, the, you've got the grave cloth of unforgiveness that's wrapped around your mind. And you can't get that experience out of your mind. And it's, it's, it's squeezing the very knowledge of God out of your life. Some of you, you've got some pain from the past. Or maybe some depression or anxiety that's squeezing the hope out of your life. Maybe some of you, you just got some pride that's not, it's got to die in your life. But there's some grave clothes in your life today that's trying to steal your dreams, trying to steal your destiny, steal your purpose today. Those grave clothes are going to come off and God's going to set you free. How many believe that God can do that today? Come on. How many believe that God can do that today? Hallelujah. I want you to bow your heads right now. I want you to close your eyes. This is your day. This is your moment for optimizing glory, the glory of God. Jesus waited for you to come today. I don't know what's going on in your life. Maybe you're a young person here today. I feel the Holy Spirit saying something to me right now, that there's a young person in this room that you feel like your life is over, man. You feel like you want to end your life, you want to commit suicide. Hey, listen, I was 13 years old. I hated my life. I had been abused as a child. My father died. My stepfather died. It was really hard growing up as a kid. Man, I wanted to just give up and I wanted to, I wanted to kill myself. But you see, I knew my mama told me that there's a hell. My mama told me that I can't take my life because when I take my life, I'm playing God. And when I play God, that means that God's not in my life. And I held on. And, and, and at the age of 19, I came to this church. It was July. And I came to this altar. And I, and I came to God with all these grave clothes on. The grave clothes of bitterness and anger and unforgiveness towards the people that hurt me. I came with my grave clothes of pride and I came to this altar and man, oh man, Jesus started unraveling me. Hallelujah. And Jesus set me free as the Bible says, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And I'm here to tell you, young lady, young man today, God has a plan for your life and it's huge. It's big. Who, who could have ever imagined that God could take a person like me and use him to preach the gospel to hundreds, thousands of people every Sunday? That's what God does. He, he, Jesus specializes, hallelujah, in taking dead things and bringing them back to life. And I'm Lazarus. I'm Lazarus, and Jesus brought me back to life, hallelujah. And he's given me hope, and he's given me purpose, and he's given me a dream in my heart. And my dream is to see every one of you in this room know God. My dream is for every one of you in this room to get to heaven. So I want you to bow your heads right now in this place. 
What an incredible moment right now. What an incredible moment. You say, Pastor Steve, I'm not certain that if I died today, I'd go to heaven. I'm not, I don't know if I'm right with God, and I need to turn my life over to God. I need to believe that my past, God was using it. My future, God wants to use it. My life, God wants to use me to bring glory, optimizing glory in my life. Because you know what? Guess what? When, 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 God, when people see you and they see what you are like, and they see what you went through, but now you're still praising God, you're loving God, you're serving God. Man, they're going to they're gonna give glory to God. I want your life to bring glory to God. How many of you in this room, you want your life to bring glory to God? Raise your hand. Hallelujah. So you're here today, you say, Pastor Steve, would you pray for me? I'm not certain that if I die today, I'd go to heaven. And I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I want you to raise your hand right now, quickly, all over this place. Pray for me, Pastor Steve. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Others, others. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, come on, raise your hands. Let me see it high, high. Raise them high for the glory of God. Raise them high for the glory of God. You say, Pastor, pray for me today. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to turn my life over to God today. Hey, listen to me. I do this every Sunday because it's, it's important. You know, the Bible says... Jesus said, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before the Father. And there's something about getting out of the tomb. There's something about you getting out of your tomb and saying, this is a new day. This is a new moment. Don't stay where you are. You see, standing in your seat right where you are right now, standing there right now, is saying, listen, I'm standing here and I might give God a chance. But I'm telling you today, you got to come out. You got to come out of that tomb and you got to say, no, no, no. Today is the day. I'm marking this day down in history, April 16, 2017, just like I did when I was 19 years old. I know the day that God changed my life. I know the day that I gave my life to the Lord because I came out of my tomb and I came forward and I gave my life to Jesus and I started a new journey. So I want you to do this for me right now. All those people that raised their hand, get ready in a moment. I want to pray for you. I want to pray a blessing over your life. I'm going to be standing right here. I want to pray a blessing over your life. But before we do that, I want everybody in this room, on the count of three, I want you to turn to your neighbor right now. And I want you to say, if you died today, are you certain that you'd go to heaven? If they say, I'm not certain, say, you know what? Grab them by the hand say, come on. It's time to get out of our tomb. We're going forward. And we're going to give our life to the Lord. Because I'm going to call you in a moment to come forward right here and pray a prayer with me. A prayer of new beginning. A prayer of a new start in your life. Listen to me. If you're in the balcony, if you're in the cafe, or you're in the side uh, overflow in the gymnasium, please go forward wherever you are. In the gym, in the cafe, there's pastors everywhere. If you're in the balcony, don't let that balcony keep you. You walk down the stairs. Listen to me. Look at me, everybody. Right now, I'm going to close right now. Jesus walked all the way to Calvary for you. He walked, he was not ashamed of you. Don't you be ashamed of Jesus today. Don't, don't worry about what other people are thinking about you because that's grave clothes that the enemy's trying to put back on you. Right now, you're going to make a decision that's going to change your life. On the count of three, I want you to ask the person next to you, are you sure if you died today, you'd go to heaven? They say, I don't know. I want you to say, come on, let's go together and let's go pray. Pastor Steve's going to pray for us. You're, are you ready? One, two, three. Come on, right now. Ask your neighbor. If you raise your hand, come out of your seat right now. Come, come quickly. Come quickly. Come quickly, come quickly, come, come, come on, come on, come on. All over this place, come on, 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 come on. 
all over this place. Come on, come on. Come on, all over this place. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Get out of your, get out of your, get out of your tomb today. Get out of your tomb today. Come on, come on. Come on, come on, come on, come on, in the balcony. God's calling you. In the balcony, God's calling you. Come on down right now. Come on. It's a new day. It's a new beginning. It's a new start. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, they're still coming. Kristen, you start praying right now. Kristen, you start praying as they come all over this place, all over this place. It's a new beginning. It's a new start. Hallelujah. 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 God's bringing life right now. Come on. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Give these folks a big hand. Come on. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on. Come on. Praise God. Now listen to me. Now listen to me. Listen to me carefully. God spoke to you today. God spoke to you today. This was not a man that spoke to you. God spoke to you today. And God said to you that he loves you and he has a plan for your life. But it begins with you saying yes to God. It begins with you accepting the free gift of eternal life. You can't work for it. Listen to me. You can't, you, you, you can't come up to this altar. Listen to me. Shh. You can't come up to this altar and say, okay, Jesus, I give you my life and I ask for eternal life and then leave here trying again to be good. You can't be good in yourself. There's no good in us other than what Christ puts inside of us. And the Bible tells us that if the, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us, it will quicken us. So we're going to invite Christ to come into our life right now. And we're going to invite Christ to resurrect us. And we're going to invite Christ to do the work inside of us right now. But I want you to take all of your dreams, all of your hopes, all of your fears, all of your hurts, all of your pain right now. And I want you to take it to the foot of the cross. And I want you to leave it there right now because God's going to do something real in your life. He's going to do it right now as the Holy Spirit begins to work in this place. All across this place, I feel the presence of Almighty God. He's coming right now. And God's doing something powerful in this place. And maybe you have a, a sickness in your body. Or maybe you're addicted to drugs today. Whatever it is today, maybe you have got pain. Maybe you've got anger. Burst, outbursts of anger in your life. And you need to be set free. Raise your hand right now. God is going to come right now. God's going to come right now. And he's going to heal you. Some of you are going to be healed of sickness right now. Maybe you're watching via live stream today. God's going to touch you right now. Let's pray all across this place right now. Are you ready to pray? Say yes. Are you ready to pray? Say yes. I said, are you ready to pray? Say yes. Join hands with the person next to you right now. I want you to pray this powerful prayer. Jesus, thank you. Come on, say, Jesus, thank you. You died on the cross and you finished the work on Calvary. There's nothing I can do. There's nothing I can bring. There's nothing I can be except for offering my repentance. Forgive me, Lord, of my sins. And I accept 
the free gift of eternal life. Thank you, Jesus. Send your spirit to resurrect me from this day forward. One day at a time, I will completely put all my trust in you alone. In Jesus' name, I am a child of God. I am a child of God. I am more than a conqueror through Christ who gives me strength. Thank you, God. You're awesome. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a clap offering. Hallelujah. Now listen. Now listen. Before you leave today, I want an usher. I want a greeter. I want a counselor. I want them to give you information. This is so important. Listen to me. It's so important that you, you continue on your journey of faith. We have a foundations class that I personally teach. I want you to be involved in that. We have a connection event. I want you to get involved in that. Why? Because you need to grow now. Remember, people are going to help us take our grave clothes off. And so I want you to be blessed. I want you to go deeper in your faith. So listen to me. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May you know that you're the head and not the tail, that you're blessed going in and blessed going out. And God has a plan for your life, and it's big. We love you. God bless you. Have a great day in Jesus. Love you. Love you.